Welcome to Scottish Business Network podcast on a beautiful, bright and sunny but rather cold winter's day here in Scotland. My name's Christine Nesson. I'm CEO and co-founder of Scottish Business Network, the global community making meaningful connections between Scottish organisations and the Scottish diaspora. My guest today is someone who's also technically my boss, as I have the privilege of being an ambassador for Women's Enterprise Scotland. And Carlin Curry is the Chief Executive of Women's Enterprise Scotland, or WES as it's better known. The aim of which is for Scotland to be world leading in its approach to supporting female business owners. Carlin took on the role because she could see there was a huge opportunity to place Scotland at the forefront of women's entrepreneurship and business ownership. This businesswoman is also a chartered banker with her CV, including a spell as head of business lending at Royal Bank of Scotland, where she managed the multi-billion pound lending book. And Carlin also led the bank's development of supporting women in business. She's contributed to policy papers at the World Economic Forum in Davos and is a founding member of the UK Women's Enterprise Policy Group. The first entrepreneur in residence at Queen Margaret University, chair of Productivity Institute Scotland, all more of which during our chat. Welcome, Carlin. Oh, thanks very much. It's great to be with you. Delighted. Now, as I always start, what's the view from your window today? Well, it's bright outside. There's a little patch of blue sky, which I'm going to take as an omen, but rather surrounded by grey, cold-looking clouds, I have to say. The the wonderful Scottish onomatopoeic word of dreek. So our Scottish listeners would understand. The rest will just have to look that one up, Carlin, but it sums up the day. So where were you? Where did you grow up? And and what was family like for Carlin? Well, I grew up in Edinburgh. Um, And family life, yeah, pretty much family life, really. You know, it revolved around uh, going to school, family visits, quite a close family. Um, So plenty of family visits in there. And then some of those out-of-school activities that vary over the years, you know, from maybe drawing and painting at a young age to to ballet and sport at an older age. Were there traits within your family that you feel that you've inherited and maybe influenced you in, in your latter years, Carlin? I think that's a really interesting question. I've not really thought much about it before, but I think, I think yes, you know, a, a curiosity about people, I think, um, an interest um, an interest in life generally, and definitely, I think, quite a strong moral compass. Yes, yeah, definitely traits I can I can see coming through Carlin very much. So, particularly that curiosity of of individuals always being interested. So, in previous interviews, you've said that your seventeen year old self did not set out to be a banker when you left school. So. How did that come about, Carlin? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, well, that's very true. Um, I loved languages when I was at school. So I was interested in going on to study simultan- simultaneous interpretation at university. 
But to do that at that point in time, you had to do a six year at school. And that was just a complete deal breaker for me. I didn't want to stay on at school. I wanted to leave in fifth year. And other than that, I didn't really know what I wanted to do at all. So I just applied to local companies, which in Edinburgh, that's pretty much your banking, your insurance companies. I knew that if you went into banking or insurance, you could study for professional exams and gain promotion. And the really big motivation for joining a bank was if you passed your exams, you qualified for a cheap mortgage. And I absolutely loved the thought of owning my own flat. You know, so I had an interview with the bank. They offered me a job. And well, that was that. What was it the local branch or head office as we were so often headquartered in Scotland in those days? So it would be described as the local branch, but I was really lucky because it wasn't the local branch just down the road. It was the local branch that was actually in town. So I can tell you I was, yeah, I was super excited. You know, there I was in the middle of town with all the the amenities round about me and a bit of a wage packet to boot as well. And the benefit of the mortgage, which even a number of years on, Carlin, would be of advantage to so many people now. Fantastic. As I said at the start, and we're we're taking quite a leap here, but I said at the start, you were the first woman to be head of business lending, managing multi-billion pound uh, book. And you also delivered in the new digital operating platforms to the bank. You were had the genesis of the idea of the women's role within banking and bank, how to support women in business. But those key roles took a lot of hard work and career progression. So what were those early years like for you? And, and how did your career progress in the bank? So... I guess it progressed a bit sporadically because I wasn't ever somebody that had a particular plan. Um, I was always curious about different areas in the bank. And you know, when I started out, after I'd worked in a local branch, I passed my exams. Back in the day, you didn't apply for jobs. You were transferred into the role that others thought was fitting for you, which seems crazy, doesn't it, in this day and age? But that's the way it was when I was was working. So I worked in a lot of different areas in the bank. Um, I worked in the legal department. So I took security for quite complex deals, um, the biggest biggest deals that were done in the bank for the, the biggest customers, you know, quite complex structured finance. Um, but also I worked for a period in time of what was called the legal advisory unit and that was a unit that was basically set up to um, help bankers out of the rather deep holes they could occasionally dig themselves into from a legal perspective and no two days were ever the same in there you know it was all about interpreting the law how you would apply it and I really enjoyed that it taught me a lot taught me how to be a bit creative, taught me how to pull together ways of thinking, you know, how to build cases um, and also the opportunity to work with external counsel on some some quite groundbreaking legal issues to set precedent. So, you know, lots of different things. And I think 
You also had to have the diplomacy of a United Nations ambassador in some of the circumstances too. And, and that taught me a lot as well um, about thinking in your feet and being diplomatic. And then after that, I worked in lending policy and there were lots of new products coming into the market from banks in those days. You know, when I first started, there was just one type of mortgage. It was one type of loan. But then it all changed. Um, and, and we were looking at being more innovative, looking at bringing new products into the market. And I was really interested in being part of that change. So I, I completely blagged my way into a new job. At that point, you could apply. Um, you could apply for jobs in the bank by that point in time. And so I blagged my way from working in credit and risk over to working in marketing. And that was pretty transformational for me. I could pull from my lending background because I went to work in the small business team at working on the, the lending portfolio. And ultimately, that's where I was, was promoted to head the loan book, which was a multi-million pound book back in the day. Um, and I led new product development projects. Um, and I did. I also built new digital operating platforms and learned a lot from that as well, because at that point in time, bank systems were quite old and you had to be pretty careful about how you innovated and built on top of them. And, and the point is, Carlin, which is so strong, is that you were getting such a strong business grounding here. Mm -hmm. You know, often people can be somewhat critical. Oh, yeah, they worked in the bank. But what you're saying there is about, you know, the, the opportunities that you were given across the board, because while the bank was the central hub here, you were dealing with business, you were dealing with individuals, your legal marketing all your skills there were built from understanding a business from the ground up. Is that a fair summation? Yeah, it, it really is. And in fact, from from working um, in marketing, working in the, the lending book, I went to work in lending strategy. And that was a, a game changer for me. You know, being able to identify the new products, the wider strategy for the bank, I found absolutely fascinating. And then I got the opportunity to work on business banking strategy after that. So to, you know, to play with all the toys in the pram, really, not just one product set, but the whole lot. And it was a really interesting time. We were, were changing the way business banking was delivered. We were starting to bring in, you know, those more remote propositions, the direct ones. Um and I really, I really enjoyed it. You know, you had to have a very practical head because funds were, you know, investment funds for a bank were always competitive. So the projects that you were putting forward, you had to fight for your fair share of the budget. You had to have a really strong investment case. And in many ways, there was a bit of running your own business within a bank. Now, it's not entirely similar at all. I was drawing a regular salary. You know, there is that aspect is totally different. But the business case, the investment, the, you know, due diligence aspects of all of that were really transformational for me and for my career, I felt anyway at the time. 
And, and you, yes, there is the similarity because you had indicators that you needed to hit. Yes, within a, a global business, but there were key performance indicators that were on your shoulders, Carlin, that you had to d- deliver on. I'm, I'm curious to to know. I mean, you've you've talked about skills that you were learning and how you were evolving your career through it. If I was asking one of your colleagues in the bank during these formative years, how do you think they would describe you as a fellow co-worker there? Were you first in, last out? Were you always a person putting your hand up? How would they have described you, do you think, Carlin? Well, I quite often put my hand up because I was quite interested in you and different things. So that's definitely part of it. But I suppose what I really remember... It's when I first joined marketing, so totally different area for me, I went on a number of different training programmes. And I remember one of the trainers saying to me, if you don't champion the benefits of your new product, why would anyone else be interested? And that really stayed with me. You know, I was quite shocked in a way. I thought, oh gosh, I've got to champion this. And, And that stayed with me. You know, whether I was working in lending, strategy, or ultimately my work with women-owned businesses, I was always, after that training, I was always really clear about the why of any new product development. And, you know, certainly a number of my colleagues and my managers over the years referred to me as passionate. Um, And it was for that reason, because I knew what I was doing, I knew why I was doing it. And I really championed it, not just externally, you know, you would expect that with with new products, but to my teams as well. We were always really clear why we were building something and why we were designing it and the difference that we expected it to make. But I suppose it's a talent, isn't it, to to see yourself as, as other people see you. And I do remember getting one bit of really quite unexpected feedback. And we were speaking, I was speaking with one of my colleagues and we're talking about a bit of poor behaviour somewhere else. And she said to me, but you don't let them get away with it, Carrie. And I was really taken aback at the time because I wouldn't have said I was particularly outspoken, um, you know, or, or one of the people who always had a view or something to say. But then when I thought about it, I could see what she was saying because I would never sit back and watch poor behaviour play out. I really didn't like that and I absolutely hate poor ethics. So I thought that was quite interesting and that certainly was one bit of feedback that took me by surprise a bit. And what, but one that stuck with you, Carlin, and it obviously resonates with you as well, but that curiosity that putting your hand up and championing championing key key issues that you feel passionate about did that lead you to being at the forefront of of change when you became head of women in business at at RBS and I believe that you co-designed launched and expanded the, the women in business proposition to significant acclaim was that this the seed that then has led on to Women's Enterprise Scotland and your role there. How, how did that come about, first of all, Carlin, within a rather traditional male-dominated 
banking sector. Well, that that's definitely true. It was a very traditional male-dominated banking sector when I started doing that work. That was 15 years ago and quite a different culture and environment from today. It's important to say that. Um, and actually, I started doing the work with my boss. I had a, a woman boss um, and we were asked by the board to go and have a look specifically at women um, because you know, other banks were, were, you know, publishing some stuff about their, their work to support women or the need to support women. No one was really doing anything in particular, but, there, there, you know, there was a bit of, um, bit of publication, a bit of information about the fact that women might need different support. So we went off, we researched it um, and took it back. And then, so the board said, right, we want you to go and do something about it. Come back with a, a proposal and a proposition. And if I'm being honest, I really wasn't keen. It wasn't something that grabbed me, that I was excited about. Um, and I almost fell out with my boss, which was unusual because we got on really well, over having to do it. Because I had never, ever in my career that, that far been singled out as a woman in a bank and I didn't want to be you know that was my reaction to it I don't want to be singled out as a woman and I certainly don't want to lead this as a woman it's not for me so with a rather bad grace I went off and came back with a proposal tried to get out of leading it but they were having none of it I was told in very certain terms I was to go off and, and, and lead this initiative. So I got women together. I had women colleagues. Um, I had women clients and customers. We had in a couple of women that had actually just set up a marketing agency that was going to particularly focus on women, which was very groundbreaking at the time. And after that meeting, that was my epiphany, really, it was like no other meeting I had ever had. And I remember one of my colleagues saying to me afterwards, so what are you going to do? And I said, I've got absolutely no idea what I'm going to do. But there is clearly something that needs to be done. And that was really the starting point for it. And I mean, interestingly, the, the, the board, the person asked us to, to go away and do this work was a man. Um, so we did have from the the word go, we had the support from the bank to go and do it and deliver it. And I started off with a, a team of 12 people based in different regions uh, across the UK. Um, and ultimately, we built that initiative uh, to a team of over 250 people by the time I left the bank, um, based across the UK and in, you know, different brands that the, the bank operated. So Royal Bank of Scotland, NatWest, um, etc. Um, and really embedded it. And it came from nothing to be the second biggest uh, proposition internationally uh, in the banking community for women. So I'm pretty proud of that. I'm pretty proud of having the boss that could see in you something that you didn't see in yourself as well, Carlin, to say, 
come on, you you are the the right person for that role. I always applaud these people who push you there without you realizing, and because I'm guessing that that has then led on to to your role now in its tenth year of of Women's Enterprise Scotland, and you you've said again in my stalking research that undertake. The reason you took on the WES chief exec role was because you could see there was a huge opportunity to place Scotland at the forefront of women's entrepreneurship and and business ownership. As I say, you're in its 10th year now. Can you talk me through the the development of of WES for our international listeners who may not be aware of it? And and what are the key aims and, and ambitions maybe when you started and where we are now in 2020, Carolyn? Yeah, sure. I mean, just before that, I want to say, I guess I am always in great admiration of women that see life through a gender lens because it took me so long to do that myself. Um, It seems incredible that I never thought of myself as a woman in a very male-dominated bank, but gender never crossed my mind. And I think women that have that insight and have that ability to see it from the get-go, I'm really in admiration of that because it took me so long. But anyway, on ways. Gosh, I can't believe it's 10 years. I actually cannot believe a, a 10 years have passed. You know, I'm really quite amazed um, Wes, Wes was first established uh, as a research-led government lobbying organisation and the aim was to address the, the gender gap in enterprise participation. And that was because there had been some brilliant lobbying work happening at Westminster. Some of us that were, were working down in London at the time thought, wouldn't it be great to have that resource in Scotland? And and that was the, the seed that, that started with. So it was very much from that research and government lobbying focus that WES was set up. So the first few years, WES focused on research and co-created the Strategic Framework and Action Plan on Women's Enterprise with the Scottish Government in 2014. But after that, momentum was a lot slower. Um, So we started as an organisation to deliver the support ourselves. You know, people read the research, they knew the different areas in the framework that you had to focus on if you wanted to really catalyse women's uh, entrepreneurship and actually address the pervasive gender gap in enterprise participation. But when it came to taking action, that was a different story. So WES started to deliver the support itself, informed by the years of research that we were building up. And we worked with women, worked with a range of different women, from those that weren't employed um, or for whom traditional employment just wasn't an option in their lives, and helped them look at business creation, shaping up an idea and starting a business. We also worked with women that were wanting to develop and grow existing businesses and we supported them to create and activate plans and strategies that would put resilience into their business, give them a really strong foundation from which to grow 
and a strategy to, to lead them through that growth. We also trained mentors and we ran mentoring programmes. And of course, we established our fabulous role model ambassador programme. Um, and that's where we have women business owners like yourself, Christine, who share their stories and experiences to inspire and motivate the next generation of women and girls coming through. And that is so important. You know, it is really true for so many people in life that if you can't see it, you can't be it. It is really difficult to be something that you can't see. And it is really impactful for young girls and women to see existing women pioneering, starting up businesses, running their own businesses here in Scotland. And so from all of that work, we've built up quite an evidence base. We know what works and we know how to deliver it to achieve the best impact in terms of supporting more women to start up but really importantly, supporting those businesses to embed and to grow. It, it's that degree of practicality. It's that degree of this is what happens on the ground. The data behind it, which I have found as a, a woman in, in business, so valuable and, and also having this peer group, not just the other ambassadors and yourself and Bronwyn and, and Lynn Cadenhead, who's, who's your chair, but just that group of people who think the same and we want to, to as you say, be the change we, we want to see. And one of the very practical things that earlier this year has had quite an impact on me was the conference you put together and you do these every two years, but conference in Edinburgh you hosted and the theme was path to economic equality. And there was a comment from, there's many comments through the day, but one from Jack Mac Lord Jack McConnell that really hit home with me where he said, globally, women were not to be seen primarily as the recipients of aid, but rather as leaders of change, which I think is just so much of what WES is about. It may seem a really obvious question to you and I, Carlin, but what is this value-add and diversity that women do bring to entrepreneurship and businesses and, and how that openness to diversity can boost our economy? What, what are the messages you want to share, Carlin? Well, women-owned businesses based in Scotland add £8.8 .8 billion pounds into the Scottish economy every single year. So to put that in context, that's more than most of the designated growth sectors of the economy. So more than food and drink, more than tourism, more than creative industries. And women-owned businesses in Scotland have created over 230,000 jobs. And that is over 13% of all private sector employment here in Scotland. And in terms of economic impact, that is only the start. Women are about 20% of all the businesses here in Scotland. So that's quite a significant gap. Um, that's quite a significant gender gap, I should say, in participation. Yet studies tell us that it's gender diversity which drives radical step change innovation. 
the kind of innovation that boosts our competitiveness and our economy. So encouraging more women to start and grow businesses isn't just about the direct impact they make on our economy. It is also about the ability to create the environment where radical innovation thrives and which will boost our national innovation and our competitiveness and deliver a further economic dividend. And who wouldn't like to see that happening in our economy right now? Uh, absolutely. And, and as you say, it's kind of statement of the bleeding obvious, but absolutely. we still have to tell people, you know, I, as, as you do wonderful training for the ambassadors through WES, it's those figures about the 2.2 billion, about the 20 percent. It's it's so important, particularly at these challenging economic times. And you've taken that ethos of informing and, and educating to another role that you undertake, where you have the time, I have no idea. But earlier th- this year, you were appointed as the first ever entrepreneur in residence at Queen Margaret University in Edinburgh. Tell us a bit more about that role and how it links in with, with your ambitions to create greater entrepreneurship here in Scotland. Well, Queen Margaret University itself was founded to support more young women to gain access to education and skills. And my role as entrepreneur in residence is to bring a focus to entrepreneurship, but it's specifically to create Scotland's first women's business centre within the university. So we've undertaken an extensive local consultation. So we've heard firsthand from women about what support is needed and how it should be delivered. And for me, this is the start of delivering the WES vision and ambition to establish a network of women's business centres here in Scotland. We know what support's needed. There's strong evidence of demand. And after the pandemic and now the cost of living crisis, it really is time to get that critical support out there and delivering for Scotland's women entrepreneurs. And I guess my personal ambition is to ensure that all women and girls who want to start a business in Scotland can and they have the choice to access gender specific support right the way through from shaping up an idea to scaling up and exiting their business. Because the data tells us there is so much wasted and untapped potential just now. And I am really looking forward to changing that forever. That's my ambition. Well, and Scotland's lucky to have you uh, making that point so eloquently and so consistently. And and often, as we know, Carlin, putting your head above the parapet, it's not always easy. And uh, I certainly know on behalf of many women business leaders, we are so appreciative of it. But I'm picturing this young Carlin turning up, going to that interview in the city centre of, of Edinburgh, having left school at fifth year, What advice would you give that young lady before she walked into the door of the bank? Oh, my goodness. If only we had that advice. If only every 17-year-old had this type of advice, wouldn't the world be such a different place? 
I mean, I think for me, it would be, if you believe you can do it, the chances are that you can. So don't hang back waiting to tick off every last skill or waiting for exactly the right circumstances to align or fall into place. Be courageous. I mean, it's definitely a bit terrifying at the start, but so many good things will come to pass from those first steps. And I really wish someone had said that to me at age 17. And I think that's a message we need to get out to more young women and girls. Have courage. Have courage because you'll always find your tribe and they will find you. Yeah, absolutely. So quick, quick fire questions as the time has marched on as always. Quick fire questions. First record you ever bought? Oh, I don't want to confess to this, (laughs) but I'm going to. The first record I ever bought, I was young. That's my defence. Donny Osmond, I'll be your long-haired lover from Liverpool. In fact, no, it was Jimmy Osmond, wasn't Jimmy. it? It was a younger That's brother. Jimmy. Listen, <laughs> well, those of us of a certain age know every one of the Osmonds and their age. That was Jimmy. But don't you worry. Well, I was a David Cassidy girl, as I tell everybody answers that question. So, favourite place in the world? I don't think I've got just one. Can't answer just one. So definitely the west coast of Scotland, which I'm still exploring because it's absolutely stunning. Um, I'm probably in there along with the Italian lakes and pretty much most places in Portugal. Beautiful, beautiful. What's for dinner tonight? Pasta. Quick and easy. (laughs) Quick and easy. And what is a perfect weekend with all this portfolio and balancing personal and, and commercial career, Carlin, what does your perfect weekend look like? Well, pretty much, I think, a walk along the beach in the morning, a bit of yoga, a mooch about some independent shops, a late lunch out with some friends, and then home to my pyjamas, a good book and a gin and tonic. <laughs> Sounds sounds like mine, Carlin. Sounds like mine. Fabulous, fabulous. Well, it has been a a pleasure and a privilege to record this today and uh, just wish you and yours all the best for the coming festive season. This may go out post the festive season, but wish you and yours all the best and continue to champion uh, all that you do for women's enterprise here in Scotland and internationally because I know others are looking in on it, Carlin. And uh, thank you for this time and with very best wishes. To find out more about the Scottish Business Network, simply visit sbn.scot.